is not a gospel. Um, we are about to dip into a 10 to 11 week endeavor, walking through what God teaches us from this pretty famous Old Testament book. The theme of Joshua, if you are a note taker, is that God has a plan for us. God has a plan that we are allowed to be part of. And we are to ask ourselves, are we ready to participate in that plan? Again, God has a plan that He has allowed us to be part of. Are we ready to participate in that plan? I'm going to read to us Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And we'll dive into what chapter 1 teaches. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great rivers, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will also be with you. I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. Be strong and Courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, be, being very careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it both day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When we read through Joshua's narrative. This story, we have a story that is full of instructions, warnings, and encouragements that apply to the church today. Again, you have a story that is full of instructions, warnings, encouragements that sit on us as a people. Notice what God says to the Israelites and does for the Israelites. Uh, the Israelites, they experience the grace of God. And every person in here who has a relationship with the Lord through Christ Jesus, you have experienced the grace of God. You have a people who have accepted the responsibilities of being the people of God. This is one of the few stories where we look through in the Old Testament and we see that the people who are listening to their leader are consistently obedient. It's a very unique story in the Old Testament. Finally, we see that they are faced with challenges of daily obedience in fulfilling the will of God. Those two things that follow, that they experience the grace of God, are things that we look at and we sit and we have to ask ourselves, am I willing to be obedient to what God has called me to be? Am I willing to partake and participate in all that God has called me to partake and participate in? Am I on board with this? That we would accept the responsibility that God has given us as the people of God. 
That we would face the challenges that we deal with daily, obediently, because we are trusting that we will fulfill God's will for us. This is the same story that every one of us have been asked to tell. And it starts by God telling, uh, telling Joshua, Moses is dead. Moses is dead. I, I'm not sure how that affects you to hear those words. Most of us have learned lots about Moses in our lives. When you learn about Moses, you realize that he is the Old Testament picture, a foreshadowing of Jesus. That Jesus is the great and better Moses, the true and better Moses. However, when we look into the Scriptures, for these people, these Jewish people, everything was attached to Moses. And for God to start this whole passage with this truth, Moses is gone. What are you going to do now that he's gone? There's a story of a pastor in Dallas. It was his first Sunday at his new church. The former pastor had passed away. And uh, pastor number two, on his very first Sunday following the interim, placed pictures of pastor number one across the front of the room. When he placed these pictures across the front of the room, his question to his congregation on that day was, this pastor is dead. Now, I did not do that when I showed up here. Uh, there were no pictures of the last pastor. We, we decided not to do that. But the point that this pastor was attempting to make was, this was how things were, and this is how God led us, and this is where God's presence was for us. But now, will we trust that God was not about this man, but God's about his mission? Joshua's one of the Bible sidekicks that we look at. We are familiar with Joshua because we're familiar with Moses. We know how sidekicks work. I'll help, let you guys help me out. When we look at famous sidekicks throughout history, some stand out more than others. If you are to look at Batman, his sidekick is whom? That was really good for you guys, Grace Bible Church. That was the loudest you've ever responded to any question that I've asked. The Lone Ranger has... Sherlock Holmes has... Wyatt Earp has... Doc Holliday, I'll be your huckleberry people. Help me out. <laughs> Shepard's doing a project on the 80s. And we learned yesterday that Maverick has who? Goose. Andy Taylor has whom? Bless him. <laughs> Han Solo has whom? <laughs> Full disclosure... I used to pronounce Han Solo with an S on the end. I called him Hans like I was talking about a Swedish man. I was corrected. Frodo has whom? Samwise. God has changed the people's leader when they shift from Moses to Joshua. God has not changed his plan. Here are the things that we learned from the passage. It's the passing of an era, and we also, though the, the era is past, we have the endurance of God's promise. Moses is dead, but the purpose of God remains. So if you're a note taker, one and two teach us this. Moses is dead, but the purpose of God remains. Let's just break that down one more time. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. 
Now therefore, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I'm giving you to the people of Israel. Change messes with people. We don't have to change much for people to be up in arms. As someone who's worked on church staff for years, you, you realize that you don't have to change much at all for people to begin to ask lots of questions. Uh, whenever you look into the history of churches and how churches work, anytime there is any type of change whatsoever, you see that that change affects the body, that change affects the leadership, that change affects the personality. Change affects us. Think about how change is a mess with you. How change has affected your life. How did your life change when you graduated and started college? How did change affect you when you started your new job? Because some of you have new jobs. What about when you got married? Did change take place there? My video game playing went down significantly post-marriage. What about the day that you have a baby? Or, husbands, when your wife has a baby? These changes affect us. And every change that we see is an opportunity to respond in faith and live in a way that says we do not believe that God has abandoned us. Moses is dead. What a way to start a passage. Nobody compared to Moses. He was their direct link to God. God almost broke his covenant with Israel at one point, and Moses begged God to stay at their side. Everything in the first five books of this, of this story says to us that Moses is going to take them into the promised land. That's where we're headed, yet that does not happen. What do we do when God gives us things to do, yet the thing that God would have us to do is not accomplished by us, but by what we've done to set that thing up? In the Lord of the Rings books and the Two Towers, you may be familiar, uh, Boromir is almost dead. He was kind of a big deal, strong, powerful. I was talking with some of our students the other night. I'm the youth ministry intern, and I work with them some on Wednesday nights. Every now and then. And I got to teach them the other night. We're having a Lord of the Rings conversation. Boromir is dead. He's lying, sitting beside a tree. Because he'd been attacked by orcs. Orcs were rough. Aragorn, who the story becomes about, comes up to him and he has some parting words for him. And Arab Gorn says, Boromir has laid it on me to, to go to Minas Tirith, and my heart desires it. But where are the ring and the bear? How shall I find them and save this quest from disaster? Is that the attitude of Joshua here? God's sending me into this land that is savage and overwhelming. How will I save this from disaster? And God answers him by a consistent promise. They're going across the river. Like, that's the whole thing with what takes place in Joshua. They're crossing the Jordan River, and when they get to the other side of the Jordan River, the Jordan's not really the problem. 
It was between 3 to 10 feet deep. Now, when it flooded, it was problematic. But for most of the year, it wasn't flooded. The issue was not necessarily the Jordan. It's what's on the other side. Because what's on the other side are the Canaanites. And these people are wanting to destroy Israel. They, they don't want anything to do with Israel. They want to wipe them out. They are physically larger people. We sang a song at my church when I was a child. Twelve men went to spy in Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. Does anybody remember this song? No one ever remembers it. What do you think they saw in Canaan? Ten were bad, two were good. Some saw giants, big and strong. Others saw grapes that were ten feet long. Those are large grapes. Do you imagine how good the communion would be when you get those grapes? They're larger people. They're, they have more sophisticated weaponry. Their cities are fortified. They eat puppies in their free time. They are a terrible, terrible people. I wanted to make the comparison and say it would be as if Texas were to attack a more sophisticated state. But there are no states more sophisticated than us. I said us. I've been here 18 months. Two months from some boots. Um, they are about to face what seems to be an insurmountable obstacle. And their leader is dead. But God's promise, it resounds. It has not changed, it's still there. Look with me in verses 3 through 6. God's promise resounds. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you. Just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the lands of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. No man will be able to sit all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. The victory of the people of God throughout the Old Testament was never dependent upon their weaponry. It wasn't really dependent upon their leadership. The reason that we see the people of God win victories in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, it boils down to this one promise that we see over and over. I'll be with you. I I'm with you. And God has not stopped being with His people. You see that in this passage. Verse 3 and 4 shows us that He's with them plurally. What a good thing. That God will be with us as a church. As we seek to endeavor and do all that He has called us to do in this region, in this area. That we would hope to show our neighbors and nations that Jesus is better. That He is with us. That does not cancel out the fact that God has also said to Joshua and says to us, I I'm with you Personally, verses 5 and 6, those are personal terms that God uses. God's promise for us as his, as his people is that He is with us. 
And all that he has put before us are things that are not going to overcome us or overwhelm us because he is for his mission going forward. And he will let us know when we seek to step away from that mission. Moses is dead, but God's promise resounds. He's there. I'm not going to leave my people. I'm not going to forsake my people. We also see this in verses 7 and 8. Moses is dead, but God has a pattern that reminds us How do we live in a way where we consistently know and see and and respond to the idea that God is with us? How do we reassure ourselves of God's presence for His people? 7 and 8, go there with me. Only be strong and very courageous. Strong and courageous throughout this text. It's like he was telling Joshua to go to CrossFit. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. God's going to affirm for his people who he is and how he works by them knowing the things and the ways that he's told them to to live. Do not turn from this law. I want to insert that for the word it. Do not turn from this law to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate on it both day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The people of God doing what God has given them direction to do is them relying on what He says to them. That God would speak to us. That God would have a word for us from His word. I'm I'm with you, God says. And here's how you know that I'm with you. All of the words that I spoke to Moses beforehand, you just keep saying those to yourself over and over so that in a world where we are looking for uh, this, this weird notion of spirituality, you would know that I'm concretely for you. How many of you guys... Just help me out, church. How many of you started dating before cell phones? Raise your hand. Awesome. How many of you in your dating life, whether you're married now or you're still in the the dating scene, whatever that means, had a cell phone to get you through that? Anybody? Like, you do not know what we went through. (laughs) You don't know what high school was for us. I remember trying to get girls' phone numbers. I wasn't good at it to begin with. But I still have some of those numbers memorized. And here's why. When I would get the number, I didn't have a device to write this in. I was going to lose paper. I would say it over and over. 867-5309. 867-5309. I'm not going to give you the real numbers. 
that'd be weird for, for, for you and the two people that listen to our podcast. Uh, 867-5309. 867-5309. 867-5309. I didn't just say it in my head. I spoke it. I felt the numbers leaving my lips. Because there was going to be a time when I needed that number. I also needed to be able to say something after I dialed, which was another problem altogether. When he talks about these words leaving our lips, when he tells Joshua this, for the Jewish people, when they would think about, when they would consider what God had taught them, it wasn't what we necessarily do. No, there's nothing wrong with it. Where you open your Bible and you sit down and you read, and that's a mind connection to the Scriptures. They would read, and they would murmur. Which shows that they were attempting, the goal was to attach the mental with the physical. So that these things that they were learning were not just embedded in here. They're literally being placed out there. So, so when you read through this text, you have God saying to Joshua, when you do what I've called you to do, the way that you can be reminded that I'm with you, you can know that up here, but say what I've said to you over and over so that outwardly those things are in front of everyone. For us, we memorize Scripture at times. And I'm not sure that we consider that that's not something that we've checked off of a list, but it's something that God has given us to carry us through the day. That the words that God says to us, the words that He's told us to repeat over and over and over are for the sake of our lives being an outward demonstration of His inward transformation. Moses is dead. But God's pattern reminds us what scriptures have you memorized? And have you personalized those? We also see this in verse 9. Moses dead, but God's presence. Again, I'm going to use the word remains twice. It was intentional. He, he has a promise for us. It's, it remains. His presence remains. We can accomplish what his goal and promise is because his presence is there. Or his purpose, rather. We can accomplish God's purpose because his presence is with us. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So this is all Joshua listening. It's all Joshua receiving. It's all Joshua hearing from the Lord. And what has God told him three times throughout this text in regard to what he's going to do? In regard to what's in front of him? Be strong and take courage. Because I'm with you. Not be strong and take courage because you're fantastic. We love to hear that. You're fantastic. Don't be strong and courageous because you 
supported Moses all of these years, and now I've prepared you for this. You've trained. Don't be strong and courageous for any other reason that I'm with you. And I'm going to accomplish what I seek to accomplish. I will do what only God can do. Be strong and take courage. It's not a matter of him bucking up and being strong. It's, it's God's strength there. It's the same promise he made to Isaac. It's the promise he made to Moses when Moses was told to go to the king of the world and say, let my people go. It's the same promise that he makes to Israel while they're in their exile. I'm with you. I know this is terrible, but I'm with you. It's God's promise to Mary. Right? When she's about to have to tell her soon-to-be husband what her situation is. It's the same promise that Jesus makes when he sends the disciples out. And it's the promise that he makes to every one of us in this room who have a relationship with him. So, here's the question, though. Because, like, we walked through Joshua's story, and Joshua's neat. People love the story of Joshua. What's this have to do with you? And what's it have to do with me? What does any of this have to do with how we live today and what we do with our stuff tomorrow? We read through this and we see Joshua's response to the leadership of God is no different than the response that we're called to when God leads us through the power of His Word and we see that we don't serve God because... We have to work for Him. We serve God to reassure ourselves and to encourage ourselves that we're with Him. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 is a great passage that talks about what we do with our things, what we do with the stuff that God has given us. But got to be careful talking about money in churches. I'll just be honest with you. Whenever we talk about financial things, we're talking about our heart. Resources are a reflection of the heart. Nothing more, nothing less. When you're talking about money, you're talking about a heart. It says in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, Keep your life from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. So that's God's promise. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? So let's just not talk about the resource part of this, but let's consider it. With my time, with my talents, with my treasures, with my giftings, with all that God has given me, what am I doing with that? What are we as a body of believers doing with the way, the things that God has resourced us with? With the way that we treat our neighbors, what are you doing with that time? With the resources that he's given you financially, what are you doing with that money? Our goal as a church is to see the ends of the earth reach because that should be the goal of every Bible-believing church. That we would say, and we word it this way, that we would say to our neighbors and to the nations that we believe that Jesus is better. So we're going to leverage everything towards that. Are we leveraging those things? Uh, we have shifted to a budget that runs from September to September. 
And in that budget, every dime that we spend as a church is for the purpose, is for the goal of us saying here that we're on mission, that we're on God's mission in Lake Jackson, that we're in God's mission in Clute, that we're on God's mission around Brazosport, that we exist, that God has given us this resource, this building, to declare that we believe that Jesus is worth everything that we do and everything that we say. That we would also look and we would see that God has given us the time that we have. And that we are able to redeem that time by the investments that we make in the people who are around us. That we would use all that we have financially that we have placed here. The, our building, our staff, our what we give to the local ministries here, which are numerous say that Jesus is good and we're going to live as if we believe that Jesus is good and even when the world would say to us that he's not, we still believe that he's good. And that we would say the same thing to the ends of the earth with our resources. That we would look and that we would say with the money that we're spending, with the, with the financial resources that God is giving, giving us, that we want Jesus to be known and we want Jesus to be heard from loudly and clearly. So what's that mean for the way that this plays out here? That means that if we are going to be a people who respond to God, because that's where this whole text takes us. The rest of Joshua is response of God's people to God's direction through this one person. That we would invest in our neighbors... And that we would invite people to watch what we do and see what we do. Look, we don't need people come to church so that we can get them to church. But here's what we do need. Your neighbors who don't believe in Jesus, they really need to see that you do. My friends and my people in this area who are far from the Lord, I want them to see those who I call, I call you my family. And I want them to see the transformation that takes place in people who call God their family. This is unique and it is different that we would want people to be involved in what God is doing here. That we would hope that what God is doing here extends beyond here. That we would believe that God will fulfill all that he is seeking to fulfill. So you spend the rest of Joshua with the people responding to God. But you spend the rest of Joshua seeing that Jesus is foreshadowed. That, that's in every text. Every Old Testament teaching you see, we're taking you to Jesus. Joshua shares the name of Jesus. Because all of this is telling the better story of Jesus. So for us as a church family, I hope that we see that all that God has directed us to do, all that he has commanded us to do, is something that is possible because in Jesus he has, says that, he has said that he's with us. That we are part of this royal priesthood, this holy nation, this people belonging to God who exist for God's mercy to be shown because we were a people who had not received that mercy, but now we have. So here's what I want us to do this morning. I want you just to bow your head where you are with your time with your talent, 
with your treasures, with those things that God gives you? How are you responding to the overwhelming things in front of us? To the overwhelming things in your personal path. The conversations about faith that you need to have. The investments that you need to make. The evaluation of your resources that we need to consider. With all of those things. Will we say wholeheartedly that we are strong and courageous, that we are not afraid because our God is with us in Jesus and seek to fulfill God's mission here where we are and by God's strength to the ends of the earth. I'm at the back of the room in a few moments if you need me.